Hello, and welcome to the Gorilla Indie Podcast. I'm your host, House of Dub. You've been listening to Bop City by the Forest Puppies. The Forest Puppies are an alt-punk band and were founded by lead guitar player Matt Bailey. Let's learn more about Matt and the Forest Puppies. You appreciate the Pro Tools looking Reaper? Yeah, that's so good. Well, you know, when it comes to learning a new DAW, I uh, I wanted to make sure that it felt familiar. That was like my first yeah. thing. Because learning DAWs is hard. Learning like, DAWs is so hard. And it depends. Like there, people, have been, people have been like talking to me about all different kinds of softwares they use. A lot of people like Logic. I use Logic, so I figured that one out. Mm-hmm. Some people use Fruity Loops. Some people use Ableton. I don't understand Fruity Loops at I, all. I don't get it either. Apparently, it's really easy, though. Apparently, but um, I, I think it's more the the mind-blowing moment to me was when I had a professor explain to me that DAWs were built with a purpose in mind. Like, apparently, and this is not gospel, but Pro Tools was designed to record analog sound. Like, that's what it's meant to do, and it just happens to also master and mix and do all that jazz and do midi um reaper was designed as mastering software which is kind of why it doesn't have you know how pro tools has like um track like a a normal track and then an auxiliary and a sub there are none of that in reaper reaper is just track and it can be whatever yeah there's a flexibility to reaper that i really like and uh it works great on the PC. And, you know, yeah. one of these days, Reaper, if you guys are listening there, one of these days I will buy you. I'm just not. <laughs> because because I have yet to yeah. try making every single kind of track on you. And not for nothing, I think the MIDI on Reaper sort of sucks. Yeah, kind of does. So I'm kind of waiting for it to be able to do everything. Because at the moment, I do like a hybrid thing. I have Logic over here, and I use all my MIDI on that laptop, and then I plug it into this thing and that thing, and then it all kind of... But if you want like the good MIDI experience, Ableton. Ableton, yeah. Ableton is cool. especially if you get the push to and do the whole thing where it's like the MIDI controller is just a grid and you can like you don't have to be able to play music. You can just make it uh diatonic so it's all the notes of your major or minor scale, whatever you pick, and you can just tap around. Just like and it's all a scale. Just tapping buttons and poking things. So let's bring everybody up to speed. I'm sitting down with Matt Bailey. Matt Bailey is the founding member of the band The Forest Puppies, who uh, are actually going to be recording in my studio today. And actually, for the first time on this podcast, I'm talking to someone live in studio. Yeah. Like, I can poke you. Oh, we poking. I just poked. Oh, he just poked me back. This is cool. <laughs> so I want to, I wanna like, kind of get a fresh start on everything. I want to know... Was the Forest Puppies your first like project you decided to start as a musician, or was there other projects that you kind of started, maybe abandoned? Um, Did you ever push a solo career? Like, <laughs> kind of give me the beginning here. Yeah, man. Okay. Um, so I've been playing guitar for like since 2010. Um, actually, I got my first guitar on Martin Luther King Jr. Day because um, I was off from school, and I got like a hundred dollar Fender acoustic starter thing like a thing with like the guitar and a leather bag and a strap and a bag of picks and stuff like that um that was my first instrument and i took some lessons and i got put into a band from the school 
that I was in, and the first band I was in was called Swagger Wagon. Um, I didn't pick the name. Uh, I was put into it. And then I went to college, and I was in a band at the time, and uh, they told me you could go to college or you could go to you could stay in this band basically it was a kind of like an ultimatum but like an unspoken ultimatum and i was like i'm going to college um it's like it already i already got accepted if i hadn't got accepted i would have just stayed but that was the beginning of kind of the vision of the forest puppies which was i'm going to do whatever i want i'm going to make whatever kind of music i want to make and not going to work in like a hierarchy of other people's needs i'm going to do like self-fulfillment i'm gonna do my own thing and it was originally called matt bailey and the forest puppies really yeah it was um and then i was like that's really uh forward facing very pretentious and it's not i just drooled all over myself i'm sorry that's fine i got tissues right there (laughs) no it's okay thank you um it's just the thought of my own ego it makes me salivate it's delicious (laughs) thank you ego is very juicy and scrumptious we love some ego. Um, yeah, so I like that's what Forest Puppies is to me. It's uh, just anything at the whole time. And it started while you were in college. Like you, yeah. you had this impetus to start this band that would be like an amalgamation of whoever you can get, yeah. whoever would be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the only rule to being in the Forest Puppies, I always ask people. Um, does your desire to be a better musician outweigh your musical ability? Um, and that's a good kind of litmus test. Like if people are like, no, I'm already really good. I'm like, then start your own band. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do your own thing. Um, but everyone I've met that I've asked that question to has been like, no, I want to be better. And that's like a lot of the drive of you just the complicated part. It's like not complicated for complicated sake. It's complicated to be cool to be cool and kind of like fit into like your vision of how you'd feel most comfortable in a musical group yeah after the experience of being like you're either gonna go to college you're gonna be in this band because we're like the next beatles bruh it was like that it was really serious we were gonna do and we were like i was the oldest one i was like 18 but our the drummer was really young he was like 15 and we were talking about like doing cruises and like doing national tours and stuff like that. And we were really into it. We had a manager and we were like a real working band for a long time at at just being teenagers, like 16, 17, 18. Um, And it was like, you had this really big choice and my parents kind of pushed me towards like, you should get an education. Like it's something, you know, I have a lot of feelings about college. Um, I usually tell people it's like the best thing and the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Um, but I always think about like what my mom told me about school where she said it's something that no one can take from you. Like it's an achievement that you have and you did and no one else can take that from you. So what did you go to school for specifically? Uh, I went to school for music industry and recording technology. All right. Now, I just want to ask you both face right here, right now, because um, there's a lot of people out there who ask the same question, like, should I go to school for music? Should I go to school for recording? Should I go to school for any of this? Should somebody go to school for music? It depends what you want to do. 
if you want to just like if you just want to play guitar and write songs and things like that i wouldn't say so if you want to like be an engineer and you want to make albums and record people and mix and master and do that thing uh you probably shouldn't go to a four-year college you should go to like a vocational school um and learn the business side stuff on your own like get an associate's degree and then go to vocational school which is what i think i would do if i had to do it all over again um so if you want to be like a classical musician yeah go to music school (laughs) um if you want to just like write songs and you know sing on the side maybe don't um it's but it's no one can tell you that no one can answer that for your situation you have to do that yourself yeah um which is the hardest part of it because you everyone's like you you're always looking at what other people did and stuff like that and it's like well it worked for them why can't it work for me um and it's just like you're not the same person that's the hard thing i think about when people talk about music school how it's like you know the long practice hours and the you're sleep deprived and you're not eating and you're just like like i was surrounded by creative people all the time and like the beginning of it i was like these are like the best three months of my life and stuff like that and then you just hit i for me i just hit a wall that was like the worst period of my life um and the good thing about it is i wrote like a lot of like some of the best songs I think I'll ever write out of that period. And it gets to that question of like, was it worth it? Um, and now I think it was worth it back then. I probably would say it's not worth it. Um, but music school is hard. It's a hard thing to go through and it's not a, like a extrinsically rewarding thing. It's a very, if you're doing it for intrinsic rewards, if you're doing it for like, I'm trying to satisfy myself and I'm the only person I have to please, then it's perfect. But if you're doing it for an outside motivator, like getting money or getting recognition, go into like sports medicine. There you go. <laughs> Those are some very wise words of advice from Matt Bailey of the Forest Poppies. So let's talk about songwriting because, uh, you have yes. you have a shit ton of music. Yeah. When I was first introduced to your band, um, your bassist uh, Alex told me, "You got time in the studio to record this punk band I'm in." So like the first introduction to any of your music I had was like, "Oh, okay, they're a punk band." Yeah, that's a hard thing. To so tell like people. So kind of like <laughs> pin like I'm not telling you to pinpoint a genre, but like tell me kind of like the wheelhouse that you like to dabble in in, in terms of styles, in terms of instruments, in yeah. terms of genre. It's a cool it's a cool thing. Um uh I like to think there's nothing quite like it. Um when I'm joking around with people, I tell people where sound like if the Grateful Dead found a distortion pedal on the street. Um I also tell people we're like if Black Sabbath could chill out for a minute and relax. Um, what it really is, is it's um, the things I liked about jazz, which is like the improvisation, the 
spontaneity that anything could happen at any moment and anyone could take it in a direction and turn the song to something else. But I also liked like the ethos of punk rock and alternative music, how we are like not of the current, um, that whole rebellion side of things and which sparks back to freedom and you can do anything at any time. So I tell people we're like an alternative jazz, punk rock, wild, new wave band. Slap that on the end of the CD. Yeah, <laughs> I'll make the stickers. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a mouthful, but it's definitely an earful too because it is really interesting music. Now, there's been a couple different lineups of the Forest Puppies, but right yeah. now you've kind of like it feels like you've settled into what feels like a really solid lineup, but. Do you want to kind of gloss over like the previous lineups you've yeah. had and what it's like kind of being the engineer and like fixture point of a group that is kind of always changing and fluxing? Yeah. So that the first lineup of it, um, it was a lot of good friends of mine. Um, it was uh, my friend Chris Olson who did. We met in college. Like the the first Forest Puppies lineups are just people that lived in the same dorm with me, who kind of liked the same music, and you know had free time and could play in a band on top of all the things of music school we were doing. So my friend Chris, who I really he was like my first friend in college, um, he was like a lifeline. He was really good. He was a good guitar player. Um, first of all, and then he was also a really good engineer when I didn't really know this was me learning about engineering. Um, so the cool part of it is like, he did a lot of the beginning mixing and mastering. And then as I was taking those classes, I was stepping in and like mixing vocals at the end and stuff like that. And then we would master together because neither of us were super good at mastering at that point but it we just made it like passable we just smacked it in a limiter and <laughs> called it hit it with a brick wall exactly yeah and then um my friend michael DePupo, he <laughs> plays i know man don't <laughs> no um he played drums on that album and we did a really cool this is for the audio engineering people here but we did we, that whole EP was recorded with, like, three microphones. Um, it was just whatever was available. We did a 57 pretty much with everything. Um, and then uh, Sure Beta 52 for the kick drum. And then I think we used another 57 or a 58 as an overhead for a drum. So it's really, like, the three mic setup for um, a drum kit. And, I mean, Led Zeppelin did it with two, so whatever <laughs> i mean know? if it fucking works it, it works great we it was great we would like break into our school studio at like two in the morning like our school had a recording studio that you're supposed to like sign out time and reserve it and we just as soon as we got our access cards we were like we're coming in here all hours of the day <laughs> so we would like wait we would like go in at like 11 o'clock and then someone would be working on their project and we would just sit in the hallway and wait until they left the room and then we would like we would take stools and like tie them together with sweatshirts and stuff and that would be our mic stand for the overhead we would stack three chairs on top of each other and then tie a microphone stand to it and that was our overhead mic and our kick drum mic was just my friend holding it 
That's cool. Spot. It was really jerry-rigged. And um, there's a song on the first – I'm trying to think of other people. Uh, uh, that first – there's a song on there called How to Get a Great Live Sound on that first EP where we recorded it literally in our dorm room. And we would – that's the only one we did, like, in the box. Like, we did, like, just to an interface, and we didn't really – like, the vocals are with a microphone, but everything else is, like – computer preamp shit and um every time we would do something we would take bong rips afterwards nice. like we would do the rhythm guitar track and then we would do some, take some rips and then we would do bass and we'd take rips so by the time you hear the vocals we're like five rounds in at this point and i am the crustiest i've ever sounded my entire life like i'm barely singing that's how you get that crusty tone <laughs> yeah that's that's folk punk right there nice um yeah and it was a lot of fun um our friend brian is on the uh the beginning part of waikiki um if you've listened to the song it starts with like a bong rip noise um and we classic intro we finished like the whole song and i forget who in the room said it but someone was like we should record a bong rip for the beginning of this and i was like i don't know and chris was like we have a mic, we have a bong, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, my friend Brian just said, dude, pass it over uh, in the track. I got this track, out. everybody. Yeah. Step aside. <laughs> He's gifted. Oh, man, I miss that guy, Brian. Um, but that was the first lineup, and it was – so I when I came home from school for a summer, um, a lot of those people that I went to school with – they just didn't come back. They like went for a semester and decided they were like, I don't want to continue doing this. Uh, so I had no band. So I made a band with people I knew from home who and my friend Andy, who was a drummer. He was not a bass player and was like, I'll do it if you want me to, um, essentially. And he was learning bass through these Forest Puppies songs, which is like a wild achievement. And... Um, my friend Jen, who was also not a musician, she was just like, I want to be in a band. And she had, like, a really good acumen for, like, band politics and, like, band dynamics and um, being upfront with personalities and stuff like that and scheduling and bugging. She was really good at all the non-musical aspects of being in a band. That's a good thing to have. It was a great thing to have because it was, like, I don't have to think about, like, uh dedicating money to merchandise or scheduling out dates or anything like that i didn't have to worry about that shit and it was awesome can you curse on this oh yeah fuck yeah all right, all right cool <laughs> i already did a whole bunch of times so that'd be a shitty point to find out no no you, can <laughs> that curse you have as... to go back and censor all this <laughs> yeah, you can curse as much as you want um and then my friend jake who is a really he was a really old friend of mine um he was kind of there from the beginning um before I went to school and in the beginning, when I, he was the first person I called. When I came home, I was like, I need a new band. <laughs> My friends are in different states. And he was like, okay. Um, and he jumped right in. And it's, it was really cool. Um, what I like to tell people in, in a very affectionate way is the, the first lineup that I was talking about, we had very talented people, but they did not want to be there. And then the second lineup, was the opposite of that they were they really wanted to be there 
but they weren't like professional standard musicians, I guess. I say in air quotes. Um, and this third lineup with um, Alex and Matt Daniels and Josh Tamburo, this is like the best of both worlds. They're very, very talented people and they want to be here, which is like a beautiful thing. Like I, I fully believe like all three of them, like if I fell off the face of the earth, all three of them would just be in really talented bands. Or they would probably just keep the spirit of the forest puppies going. Yeah, yeah. I think they would do a much better job without me. Oh, my God. That's morbid. <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah, but no. Um, I I genuinely believe that they would all be doing something incredibly talented in their own right without me. That's just the kind of people they are. And it's the right kind of people to surround yourself with. Um, people to push you to make you better. Um, when we kind of started this new lineup in 2019, it was a lot of that, like me trying to demolish my ego and be like, you know, this is as much your guys's band as it is mine. In fact, it shouldn't be my band. It should like, if I wanted to get three dudes to just play the notes as I wrote them, I would get robots to do it you're like the reluctant founder and ceo of a company and you've just been trying <laughs> to pawn it off to your kids i am so i'm done with it <laughs> no i'm not done with it i'm just i'm i'm not a fan of leading in that traditional way like i do it when i have to because sometimes the moment you just have to like someone has to step up um i think a lot about I'm really into like the Grateful Dead and Dead and Co and shit like that, jam band shit. And um, I was watching an interview of Trey from Fish talking about his f coming into Dead and Co and stuff like that. And someone so told him like the power vacuum that's there, which is like, you know, the absence of Jerry Garcia is this really felt thing because it's four guys who have are looking for their leader they're looking for someone to jump up into that spot and trey is like it was hard for him to jump into that thing and it's hard for me to jump up and like be a leader and be a dynamic so a lot of the ongoing joke that i have with them is whenever they ask me a question i answer with a question and i'm like they'll ask me like how do you want to end this measure here how do you want to end this verse i'll be like well what do you think just every right single thing every single time yeah for like the beginning of the re like i would just be like i don't know what has, do you want to do has there ever been a moment where you had an answer yeah yeah i've had like concrete like this is where i think this should end here um I'm trying to think of like an instance because like you said you like someone every now and then has to step up and steer the ship when yeah. you're heading straight for rocks it's cool it's a cool yeah you know there definitely is the moment where you feel I, I felt a couple times like people are unhappy that they're not getting their way. And I felt sometimes like I'm unhappy that I'm not getting my way, but you have to let that go. Like, what would you rather have? Would you rather have your way or would you rather have the best version of the song? Um, and I think at the end of the day, most people would say, I want the best version of the song. So if I don't get my way, I can live with the fact that this is the best. And my, I just have to accept that my friend is right. 
um, at the end of it and just not get too personal, which is hard when it's your music. Um, like when you're the one who wrote it, I try to like, I've been trying to detach in that way of like, just because I put the song into the world, it's not mine. It's ours. Um, which is what I've, I've tried to install in this new generation of puppies. I like that. Um, when it comes to writing songs, uh, do you all write together? Do you come up with an idea and bring it to the table? Um, not, not like that. I mean, for the most part, the songwriting is on me. Um, a lot of the songs that we are working, we worked on recently are old. Like, um, Seth Green was written in like 2015, maybe early 2016. And it wasn't recorded until that fall. Um, that's like a recent example. Waikiki is a really old song. Waikiki is from like 2013, 2014. It wasn't recorded until 2016. Like, I just like the songwriting process so much. Um, some really good advice I got on it was to write an entire, like an album's worth of songs, like write like 10 or 12 songs and then just scrap it and write 10 more and scrap it and just accept that some of them are not going to be good. Um, that's like the best way to write songs. Cause you're just going to get bad ideas out. It's like going to like a driving range. If you play golf, like you get all your bad swings out. So when you hit the green, like you get all your good swings. Um, but the cool thing about recent times is the spontaneous album that we recorded over the summer at this wonderful studio called Firehouse Studios. Oh, Firehouse Studios. Yeah. Sounds like a shithole. <laughs> you know, that sh- hey, that shithole is home. Um, but the cool thing about that is that was the beginning of everyone bringing forth ideas and stuff like that. And it's cool to have write something and have someone else finish it or it'd be like to propose like i have this great idea and to have other people jump into it like with both arms and stuff like that that's a cool moment it almost feels like if you were like the manager at an office you would be the one to like have everyone get booked for like a weekend away at a cabin to do like group building exercises (laughs) like if you had gone in a completely different direction with no music like say you never picked up a guitar and you decided to just like, you know, you're just working in the office world and you become an office manager. And it just seems like that would be the kind of thing you do. You'd be the one putting together like the office pizza parties. <laughs> I'm all but, like, synergy. shaking it up. Yeah, all synergy all the time. That's what I think. I, I you know, yeah. God, I don't even want to think about that uh, bad timeline where I don't play guitar. <laughs> I mean, you got to understand, like alternate realities are probably a thing so maybe like there, yeah there is a matt bailey in some alternate universe i like, hope we don't mean doing doing trust falls <laughs> doing trust falls in like the middle of the woods with a whole like group of office people <laughs> that's so scary that's a weird trust building exercise let me bring you all to this field 40 miles from where we work <laughs> stand on this ladder and yeah fall I mean, a lot of what I do is just a vehicle to get me to play guitar more. Um, like, a lot of the re- I mean, the entire reason Josh is there is so I don't have to sing. And he just a, is a really good singer on top of it. He is a really good singer. So, like, it seems like you have a lot of shit going on. Like, what you just said, it's really just an excuse to play guitar. 
which you love to do. Guitar is obviously like the thing that really motivates you. And then in terms of like where you go in, in like in the creative direction, it's always a matter of you want to have fun, yeah. but you're always trying to destroy your own ego. Yeah. It's, um, it's a big process of like, uh, this is not about you. This is not about me. This is about, and that's what a lot of like people ask me, like when they're like, what is the song about? What is it? What it, a lot of the times what it's about is me trying to let go of myself uh, at the end of the day. That's, you know, the big point of it to me is to enjoy yourself and ideally lose some of yourself at the same time in a good way. Now, um, I always have fun asking this kind of question. Since you can't really pinpoint your band to like one specific style or genre, have you ever con- like contemplated like dabbling in one specific style or genre? And yeah. What would it be? Um, probably jazz. Really, you do a yeah. jazz album? I would do. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, dude, I do have fascinations with genres a lot. Like, I wrote a surf rock album, um, which I think, based on the track that we're going in. You'll probably see it in like 2023, 2024, maybe. Um, but I wrote, like, I got really, my dad is really into surf rock and that kind of music, like the early uh, 50s rock and roll, like the rise of the Stratocaster and shit like that. Um, so when I hang out with him, I end up listening to that a lot. And I got really obsessed with it for a little bit. So I made all these, like, silly surf rock songs. Um, and I just kind of connected it together with a plot. Um, so I, I do get like obsessed with genres and stuff like that. Um, which is kind of why it all blends together like that in that way. But to me, nothing is cooler than like the improvisation. Nothing is more punk in the sense of jazz where it's like, you can literally do anything and play anything at any other time. And people just have to accept it and bounce off of that. Like, it's odd how much conformity there is in punk rock. (laughs) Like, it's this genre about, like, rebelling against, like, the man and corporations and stuff like that. Meanwhile, like, Johnny Rotten is, like, a multimillionaire. And, like, he has been for several decades, probably. Nothing is more punk rock than a jazz band. To me. That's what I would do. If I had like unlimited options and unlimited resources, I would write jazz standards and record shit like that. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, it's so cool. It's it's um what it is that I love about it is it's like the best of every kind of music. It's the best of classical music. It's like has that like uh skillmanship and like virtuosity of like European classical music. And it obviously has this rhythmic influence of like the West of West Africa and Central Africa. Um, But it also, it's so American at the same time. It's just this hodgepodge of crazy shit, Um, which is what I'm trying to put in our music in a lot of ways. Just this hodgepodge of anything could happen. Yeah. So we talked about, you mentioned that your father was into the 50s surf rock. 
I just want to kind of like quickly gloss over the influences that you had directly for your own music. What are the artists that you were listening to before you yeah. even started playing? And like, what influences you now? Um, yeah, yeah. So my dad had like a really big shaping in my musical trajectory. Um, my dad was not a musician. Um, he played like high school marching band for like a hot minute and then did not like it, I guess. Um, but he listened to the radio nonstop and he just, he just has like this wealth of musical knowledge. Um, not formally just because he loves music so much um so he did a lot of my shaping musically i remember like from a very young age like we would just listen to on any drive no matter how short it was or how long it was we would play the radio and i have like a very early memory of my dad and i listening to psycho killer by the talking talking heads and he knew like everything about that song and i was so impressed with it it was the coolest thing to like a nine-year-old um so uh like i have a lot of like the big influences in my like early years like my dad was a big beatles fan so i became a big beatles fan vicariously um when i was growing up oddly i was a very big john lennon fan um these days i gravitate more towards like george and paul um just because I think the melody is better on a lot of their songs. Um, but then when I became a teenager, I got really into punk rock, and I thought punk rock was, like, the coolest thing in, in the fucking world. Like, I really loved, like, Dead Kennedys and Black Flag and Minor Threat and uh, then Fugazi. Um, and I got really into punk rock and 90s alternative. Like, my favorite band growing up was Nirvana. Um I was convinced that Kurt Cobain was a good guitar player <laughs> at one point. I thought he was so good. My guitar teacher was like, he's he's okay. Like, he's good for a guy doing it professionally, but, like, he's not, like, a good guitar player. There's that great moment in the MTV Unplugged where he's like, where does the capo go on this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, um, I mean, if you really want to look at it, like, he kind of is the worst part of that band. Um, in my opinion, I don't know. Like his vocals are top notch phenomenal. Like nothing could touch his voice. Um, and I think the best parts of Nirvana when Pat Smear comes in and he alleviates some of the guitar responsibility. Um, but then when I, so I was really into punk rock and alternative and stuff like that. And then when I get into music school, they're like you have to you have to pick a direction when you sign up to be a guitar major you either pick classical or you pick jazz and i picked jazz cuz i thought classical was for nerds oh yeah cuz i had to play i had to play a classical piece for my audition and it was a the most stressful and b the uh least enjoyable part of it it was so boring and it was so structured and stuff like that and Nowadays, I found like an appreciation for certain classical composers, um, but most of it I think is hot garbage. <laughs> um, uh, and then around that time, I got my dad was also a deadhead, um, so around like those college years and stuff, I got into like experimental music, and then I got into the Grateful Dead, and through the Grateful Dead, I got into Fish, which is I would say the single 
biggest influence on my life. Um, the whole, the craziness, like the funniness, the wackiness, but also like the genuinely sweet and tender moments in those, some of those improvisations and stuff. And the fact that it is four guys just blows me away every time. And it gives me a lot of like faith and encouragement. Cause I'm like, at the end of the day, we're just four dudes and we, you know, you managed to get the ship together and stuff like that. Um, so that's like the biggest influence for me fish. And then like Frank Zappa, I'm really like immersed by Frank, Frank Zappa, like a, his guitar ability and like his sense of humor. is so, so dry and so like sharp. Um, but also like just the top notch composition of it all. That, those are like the big for me. Like the big ones I think of are like fish, the dead and Frank. And then all the stuff that led to that in the beginning. That's yeah. A, that's a, that's a really, like, that's a really cool musical journey of influences you went on. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, um, I mean, music has always been a part of my life. Like my mom's whole family is all music teachers. Um, I was kind of destined to become a music teacher. I really had no escape from it. Um, and my so I had like that the repertoire side from my mom's family, but I had like the like the drive and the the just the fascination from my dad. So I got like a twofold question here. Where do you yeah, if you hear that noise in the background, it's my dog chewing on some bone <laughs> or something. I don't know if it comes through. Uh so the question is, um where where do you see forest puppies going and where do you want forest puppies to go? I, you know, I just want to play a lot more. I just want to write a lot more. Um, I want to break into different States. That's kind of my thing. I want to travel more through music. Um, I just want to play to more people and record more. Um, that's kind of my thing. I would love, like, people complain about the, oh, we were just touring for four months, and then now we're hopping in the studio, and we're going on tour for another four months. I'm like, that sounds ideal. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so you'd like to eventually see Forest Puppies become something that hits the road? Yeah, yeah. I, like, really hit the road. Like, we just travel in our own van with our own gear, and we plot a course, and we just, like, see the entire country. Um it's such a weird world and like the best part of this whole process to me is like you write a song and you record it and then you go out and play it like 50 times and it's not even the same thing at the end of the day. Like even in the five years that I've been doing this, things are so different and I'm so excited to like, you know, if we were to like incorporate more people incorporate different styles more i think everyone should have a kazoo <laughs> instead of just like me and manuals um everyone should get a kazoo i think it'd be cool to just release some weird shit I, that's what i'm looking forward to to like releasing stuff with my friends and seeing new places with my friends 
Um, you mentioned the kazoo, and you talked about playing stuff live, and the song's kind of taken on a new form when you've played it a lot of times. Yeah. Um, I happen to know how you guys like to record. You like to record everything live. Yeah. Is it... that by design, or you just have no interest in multi-tracking? Um, so the first two EPs are entirely multi-tracked. Um, so we would do, me and Chris um on the first ep we would record all the rhythm stuff and then we would break into the studio with our laptop and record all the drums and shit like that um so that those ones are multi-tracked and i have nothing like against multi-tracking but for me the close it's the closest you can get to a live musical experience is having all the guys in the room um and feeling the energy off of each other and using that into putting that into your performance. Like it's one thing to play against like another track that someone did um, like a week later or a month later, but it's a whole nother thing to be in that moment with that person and you're playing it together. It's so much more fun to me. So there's like this mental thing that happens between live performance and in studio. Yeah. And I'm, I get the vibe from you that live performance always beats out. No matter if you're in a studio environment or playing live, the live environment and the live feel is something that you kind of grasp onto more than we're in the studio. Let's hyper focus. Let's make sure the tracks are, let's make sure everything's like lined up and then the grid. But it feels like you kind of always shift towards let's keep it as live as I possible. I mean, the grid thing, the grid is a new invention. The grid is like only 30 years old compared to the thousands and thousands of years of all different kinds of music. That is just not to a grid. It's to the internal metronome or tempo of the people playing it. So, you know, when people tell me like, oh, you're, you know, like it was good, but it wasn't lined up. And I'm like, why do you want it lined up? Like, the real world is not perfect. You know, this unrealistic standard of what music is from being so heavily quantized and being so heavily compressed and stuff like that, that's not music. That's Muzak. That's like elevator music. Metronome, more like metronome. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, like, you gotta, like, obviously you got to practice with a metronome to get to that point. So I'm not here to bash on metronomes and shit like that, but it's, it's human. It's to be human to be human is to play live with people. Um, and I would rather to me recording has always felt as like a picture of playing live. That's what it is to me. Like, um, this is just a moment captured. Um, that's all. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to just, cause I, 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 I don't know if there are any, but like for any gearheads who might listen to the podcast, do you want to just talk about your guitar rig? It's yeah, it's really simple. Uh, Oh shit. I could have brought the pedal board in cause it's changed. It's changed a little bit. It's pretty straightforward. I'm, I got a, a Fender Mexi Strat. Um, many moons ago and that thing is like my baby that is like the guitar i use for everything my only qualm with the 
the Mexi Strat is they tend to not stay in tune super well. Um, I think that's just the the vibe of like if you're gonna play a Stratocaster, you have to live with it. I mean, I fell in love with it since day one. Like it's like the ideal electric guitar. It's it can play anything, and that's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, I usually play out of a Fender Mustang 4 amp, but I don't use any of the crazy presets in it and stuff. It's got like a hundred presets in it, but they're all like the clean rhythm shimmer tone from Black Hole Sun or like they're so niche. It's like Derek from some 41's rhythm tone. <laughs> uh, they're so niche. It's like almost not useful. Um, but there are some cool built in effects to it, which is, I use, um, I usually just try to mod model like a Fender twin out of it. And then I like a splash of reverb on the amp. It's just, I think amp reverb is a lot better than pedal reverb. If you're just trying to like make, like you're just trying to go for warmth. You're not going for like space. Um, if you're going to go for like space and like be David Gilmore and shit like that, um, definitely pedal reverbs is just my opinion, but what's on the board right now? Um, I love everything Strymon. If I could be sponsored by Strymon, that would be ideal. Are you listening, Strymon? Strymon, get me, get me on the phone, get me on the dial. I just um, the Strymon Compadre, which is a compressor, and uh, I hate to call it like an overdrive. It's really like a boost, but I use it like an overdrive. Like I just crank the shit out of it, and it becomes an overdrive. Um, that's like the best compressor I've ever heard in my entire life, and I love it. It's really good, clean so- sound. It just makes everything come alive. And then I just got the Strymon Sunset, which is a dual overdrive that they make, um, and I am in love with it. Um, what else is on the board? I have a an octave generator, a Moog octave generator, which I kind of use for that weird Jack White glitchy sound that I love a lot, like the really big octave jumps. Which is great. And then I have this cheap, like, $40 Azor delay, um, which I got because it's so glitchy. It's I love that glitchy effect with delays when you get the time warp, like the kind of thing. The cheaper your delay is, the better, in my opinion. Ah, that's an interesting take. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And it's um, part of it. I, I always go back whenever I get new gear. I think about this Trey Anastasio quote where he's like, I don't think you need to have good gear. I think it's better to know the gear you have and get better stuff out of it. Like I've met a lot of people who have like $700 digital pedal boards. They don't know how to work them. (laughs) So they're using it as it's like the multi effect um, boss pedal boards, but they're just using like, the reverb setting on it and they're not doing any of the other like preamp staging or delay or compression or anything off of it. They're just using it as one reverb pedal. And I'm like, dude, this could be your entire board. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I, now that I'm talking about it, I have a Mosky, uh, most guy. I don't know how you say it. It's a Japanese company. Um, this reverb that they make, it's so good for like that ambient dark side. Like I was just talking about David Gilmore, the ambient re- ambient reverb. Um, I used it a lot on Bob City. 
to get that spacey swell kind of thing. Oh, and I also use a volume pedal. I use a, a volume wah. I used to use the Sonic Cake volume wah, which I think is great, but I broke it, <laughs> and so I stopped using it. And now I use Hatone's Vawa. I like having the volume and the wah in one pedal because A, you're saving space on your board, which is ideal. And B, it is a really nice combo. Like it, it works really well to like, cause you're volume jumping into your wah pedal. And then when you click your wah off, you're pulling your volume back. It's a really intuitive motion, I think. Um, and it just sounds great. It sounds better than the little cry, the, the cry baby. I had like the Jimi Hendrix cry baby for a long time. And I was like, this does not sound like Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it just, um, it's a cool pedal. Like it's great, but it just, it has this very, very weird, like mid scoop EQ thing when you turn it on, which is interesting in a wah pedal. <laughs> like a thing that just shifts the whole frequency band around, you would think it wouldn't dip in the middle like that. But maybe because I got it used, um, that might have something to do with it. But like the essentials of my sound are that Hatone Valwa and the Strymon Compadre and the Octave Jumper and the Delay. That's basically everything else is there kind of just because I don't know what I'm doing with it. I have a phaser that I like hardly use these days. Um... But I'm always looking for cool shit. I dig it. Thanks. I knew I'd get some fun answers talking about gear with you. Yeah. Now, um, let's like as we kind of wrap this up, I kind of want to talk about the music of the Forest Puppies. What you think is the best way for a new listener to get introduced to your band? Is there songs you recommend? Should you deep dive into the discography and find those early tracks or should you just bring yourself up to speed with what's happening now? Kind of talk about like your relationship with listeners. Yeah. I mean, really that's what it's about at the end of the day is to be enjoyed by listeners. Um, if I was brand new and I was, I, I do get asked a lot, like where should I start? And I have been telling people lately to start with um, spontaneous composition one Bob city because that is like a it's the most current thing we've done and b it's this i think it's like it's everything this current lineup is excelling at it's these like beautiful vocal harmonies that have never been there it's this technical ability this teamwork all hands on deck attitude of performance everyone is improvising at the same time in a lot of spots that's personally where I gravitate towards. But there are some real gems in those early songs that stand out to me. And it's cool to take those old songs and bring them into a new light. And I think one day we're going to have to. I was really hesitant to re-record those old songs because I was just like, I've done that. I've, that's not new. It's not something that's intriguing that people are going to be interested in. But the other guys have kind of convinced me, like the fact that they and we are doing it together, it is something new in that way. So I hope one day you can hear the old songs like 
in this new lineup and new way. But I would start with Bob City. It's really phenomenal. It's my favorite work that I've done so far. I'm so proud of those guys. And we did it in 24 hours, <laughs> which is really like, it's so beautiful to me to have had a vision, had an idea, and just execute it. It, it was a great time. I really look back. It feels like it was yesterday, but it was like six months ago. Yeah. Um, Those memories kind of last, like after you stay up for 24 hours producing something. Yeah. They tend to like, it's always in the back of your head. It's almost like a, it's almost like a war flashback. It's like, to me, I equated it to, it's like the closest thing I, as like a cis man, I'm going to get to childbirth. Like I'm going to be like, like as soon as it was done and I was driving home, I was like, let's have another. <laughs> Let's go again. <laughs> so and I've I've been like pushing the other guys like when are we gonna do it again? When are we gonna go again? I think in the summer we're gonna try and do another twenty four. It's it's hard to figure out like schedules and stuff like that, but I would love to do another twenty four hour thing. That's why it's called spontaneous composition one because I knew I was gonna do more of these. I like that. Way. Yeah. Um. But I hope I think the seeing the old stuff in a new light is going to be fantastic. It's what it's about. All right. Give me, give us, give us some plugs. Where can people check you out? Where can people find the music? Do you have any merch? What's, what's the deal? Give, uh, us, yeah. give us the whole spiel on the forest puppies. It's, the floor is yours. We, uh, the best place I would say to go is Bandcamp. That's where literally everything is. Um, the last two EPs are on Summer of Bummers and Spontaneous Composition 1. They're on Spotify and Apple Music and Tidal and wherever you want to stream music. Um, but Bandcamp is the place. It's like if you want to just give me money directly. Um, the first EP is it always has been you could give me any amount of money. That's legal tender and I'll take it. <laughs> um Someone gave me like 75 cents one time for one. And I was like, sick, I can do laundry today. Um, but uh, Bandcamp is the place. Um, we're very active on Instagram. So that's probably the most social, active social media we have. Um, we have a Facebook. I don't really use it, but we have a Facebook for live streaming and stuff. Um, Instagram is the way to reach us. Bandcamp. We have a Teespring for merchandise. It's really just our friend Forrest. Um, the man with the deer head, the deer with the man body. That's what you're looking for, by the way, if you're Google searching right now. How do you spell Forrest? Forrest is spelled so Forest Puppies is spelled like a forest with one R, F O R E S T, and then puppies is spelled with three P's, P U P P. I E S, but the the thing I always tell people the the deer with the man body his name is Forrest, but it's spelled F O R R, E S T. Gotcha. There's a lot of lore in these things. I can't wait for you guys to see the novelty sea bass. That's a whole. That's the new mud shark. The the the, the novelty sea bass is the new mud shark. Yes. No one has any idea what any of that means, but I love it. That's yeah. I mean, you'll you'll find out. You'll it's find okay. out, and you gotta find out. So check out the Bandcamp Forest Puppies. Listen to their music. Go to the Teespring. Check out the merch. The man with the deer head, named Forest, and uh, get get a deep dive on the Forest Puppies lore. 
Now, uh, Matt, I just want to wrap this up kind of real, real cleanly. What are you doing today? Why are you here in my studio? You may find yourself. Um, we are here to record all the old songs. Kind of what I was uh, talking about. Um, we're going to record the first two EPs again with this lineup. And I am so fucking excited to do it because people tell me all the time like i would listen to this every day if it wasn't you and an acoustic guitar if this was like your band i would listen to it all the time and it's gonna be so fucking now you're now they can put their money where their mouth is yeah you better (laughs) all right rock and roll matt i had an absolute blast talking to you me too, And man. Uh, I'm excited to uh, start setting up some microphones and record. Hell yeah. Set up even more microphones and record. All right. <laughs> Rock and roll, man. Thanks, dude. It's been a blast. Let's go smoke some weed. And that's another interview and another indie artist you actually know about. Once again, special thanks to Matt Bailey. Make sure you check out the Forest Puppies on Bandcamp, especially their album, Spontaneous Composition, Part 1. Thanks to you, you listening, for choosing Gorilla Indie. If you're not subscribed, please consider subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe leave us a positive review and share this podcast with your friends. If you really love this podcast and you want to get more involved, join our Discord. The link is in the description. Once again, I am House of Dub, and this has been Gorilla Indie Podcast. Yeah!